Hey, welcome back to the Ascent Church Podcast. We have a great episode for you. So let's get to it. Well, good morning, Ascent. You guys picked a great Sunday to be here. I'm super excited. You guys aren't excited yet. I'm excited enough for both of us, though. So just hang in there uh, because we are starting a brand new series Uh, If I had a list of 10 things, woo, yes, thank you. Hooray Hooray from Kim A. Uh, We're starting a new series, and honestly, like if I had a list of my top 10 favorite things, eating pecan pie and preaching the Bible would definitely be on it. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to get pecan pie, but you guys are going to let me preach the Bible today. And we're starting a new series, which is always fun for me because uh, I get to start something new. Uh, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes to start projects and then not finish them. Uh, and so this is a really exciting day for Blake Farley. Now, this series is called It's Complicated, and we're talking about relationships and not just your marriage, not just romantic relationships, although that's a part of it. Any relationship. Uh, You will probably interact with, sociologists tell us, you'll interact with anywhere from 500 to over 2,000 people in a year. You have a lot of relationships you have to manage. Church relationships, work relationships, friendships, enemies, marriages, all of the relationships. And what we can find is, is the more relationships we have in our life, the more complicated it seems to get. And the Bible is actually very helpful when it comes to relationships. In fact, in the first century, Jesus' followers were known primarily for the way that they loved each other. People looked at the way they didn't, it wasn't about the way they prayed or the theology that they knew, but people would actually look at the way they actually loved other people. And they said, there's something different. There's something amazing about the way they relate with people. And we're going to begin to learn some of those principles in this series. Now, I always thought it was really funny. and, and I don't know if people still do it. I'm not on social media as much as I used to be. But I always thought it was funny when somebody changed their relationship status. And uh, they didn't put single. They didn't put in a relationship. But they put, it's complicated. Which, to me, that just cracked me up. Uh, because I thought, who would, who would want to put that on, online? You know, like, why would, why would you want to know if your relationship is complicated? Uh, and then, really, to put that is kind of redundant. Because, I don't know about you, but all relationships are complicated. Like, even the healthy ones are complicated. Why? Because there's two people involved, and people are complicated or complex. Uh, It's not simple when you bring two people together, because every person has their own vision and their own values for what they want their life to be. And when you put another person with their own visions and their own values of what they want life to be, there's going to eventually be conflict. So today, what I want to do is, since we know that relationships are already complicated, I want to I want to help you guys see how to make your relationship more complicated. Like if you're just here today and you're like, Blake, my life is too simple. I want my relationships to be more complicated. I'm going to give you five things to do to make your life more complicated. And I'm being a little facetious because sometimes seeing the wrong things can help us understand what maybe we are doing wrong. And as I was preparing this message, I thought of five things that I do in my own life and five things that I see other people do that just makes relationships which are already complicated even more complicated and it just doesn't need to be that way we're going to primarily be in the book of proverbs looking at some of the wisdom that the bible has for us when it comes to relationships so today you're going to get five ways to make your relationship more complicated here's what i want you to do uh a lot of times when i preach i'm trying to like shoot a very straight point that has got one point that I want. Today I'm doing the shotgun approach where I'm just like spraying a whole bunch of points out there and I'm hoping that one of them hits you. Uh, gun illustration is probably a little early. But 
I, uh, I, 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 what I want you to do is I want you to pick the one thing that maybe you're doing in your relationships. And just this week, just work on that one thing. And you might look at it and say, well, I do all five of those. Uh, me too. But let's just pick one thing that we can begin to work on in our relationships. And I promise you, if you do it, you do it for a week, you'll begin to see some improvements. But if you do it for a month, if you do it for a year, you'll begin to see huge improvements in your relationships. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. Father God, thank you for these people. Lord, thank you that you've brought us all together. Uh, Lord, there's familiar faces, uh, God, and then there's new faces. And Lord, I, I pray for those of us who are familiar, those of us who would call ourselves family here at Ascent. I pray that our relationships would be so sweet with one another that other people would look at it and say, I don't fully understand what's going on, but I want some of that. God, I pray that our relationships in the world would look so good with the way that we treat our coworkers, or the way we treat our employees, the way we treat our friends, the way we treat people we don't like and the people who don't like us. People would look at that and they'd say, there's something different about those people. Lord, I pray that you would take what is so complicated in relationships and you'd begin to make it simple for us. And Lord, I pray above all that you'd give us the courage to take action because this is a really easy message to preach, but it's a very hard message to take off the microphone, walk off the stage and live. And Lord, that's where the magic happens. So I pray that you would give us what we need to actually live these things out. Lord, it's in your name that I pray. Amen. All right, so number one, if you want to overcomplicate your relationships, here's what you got to do. You got to pick bad friends. Just pick terrible friends, and you're going to make your relationships more complicated than what you need to make them. Now, I think there's terrible advice that is preached in a lot of churches, uh, and it was something I heard growing up, and that is we ought to treat everybody the same. You know, you ought to treat, you ought to treat little Jimmy the same and, and Big Tim. The, everybody, just, just treat them all the same. That's terrible advice. You ought to treat different people in different ways. In fact... That's not just me saying that. That's Jesus. There's a couple scenes in the Gospels. I'm thinking in particular John chapter 2 where these guys want to follow Jesus. They want to be a part of team Jesus. And it says Jesus saw through them. He saw their heart. He discerned that they were wicked and he told them no. See, he discerned that not all people are the same. This person is genuine. They can follow me. This person is not genuine. They can't follow me. And what we need to do is we've got to be people who are discerning when we look at people. Now, there's two kind of ends of the spectrum that you got to avoid. You can be naive and just kind of welcome everybody. And these are the people that get taken advantage of a lot. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just trying to help them out. I just, you know, I just know they need, they need just one more time of me helping them out and it'll be okay. And, and these people get abused um, sometimes in, in really horrific ways, but oftentimes it's in more smaller ways where you're just in a relationship with somebody and they constantly take advantage of you. You're always giving more than what they give to you. That's being too naive. You've got you to understand that there are evil people in the world, and there are foolish people in the world. We don't want to be there. But the other end of the spectrum is paranoid, which some of you are. You know, like you've, you've been hurt in a relationship before. And so now you don't only trust that person, you don't trust any people. Like you're constantly on edge about letting people into your life. And that's just really a terrible way to live. And I think for me, I, I live more on the paranoid side uh, probably than I do on the naive side. I have a really hard time sometimes letting down my walls and letting people in. Um, I don't think everybody needs to know about all my secrets in life, but I do think that there needs to be brothers in my life who know what's going on, who I can not be Pastor Blake to, but I can just be Blake with. And you got to have people in your life who you can open up and actually just be yourself with. And I know some of you, that's really hard to even hear because you've been hurt in the past when you were vulnerable. So what you've got to do is not be paranoid and not be naive, but be very discerning about the friends that you make. And 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, it says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. 
And then my favorite proverb, uh, as a uh, student pastor, I, I tried to preach this probably once a month. I think every teenager should memorize this verse because it is that impactful. And I, I think for us adults, it's really helpful also because it is so important what the proverb says. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise. If you want to be wise, get around wise people, have wise friends. And then what you would think it would say is this. So it says, but a companion of fools, and you, you kind of assume, if you didn't know what it said, that it would say would become a fool. But that's not what it says. A companion of fools will suffer harm. And here's why I used to preach this to teenagers all the time. Because they, they would say things like this. Maybe you've heard it, and, and I've said it myself. You know, I'm, I'm going to go with this group of friends, but I promise I'm not going to do what they're doing. <laughs> I'm going to go to the party, but I, I won't do what they're doing. And what I could say to those teenagers, and what you should hear as an adult, uh, is that it doesn't matter if you're not doing what they're doing. If you're close enough, if you're in close proximity to a fool, you are going to suffer the harm of the fool. The fool drags you into their trouble, even if you are not participating in what the fool is doing. And I bet if you're over the age of, I don't know, 25, I could probably bring you up on the stage and you would have stories of times where you didn't do anything wrong, but you had a mess because somebody in your life was a fool. Um, I can remember in high school, uh, I, I was the first one of my friends to drive, uh, so they kind of used me. You know, I was like, "Who's truck? Blake." Okay, so everybody would everybody ride with me, and I was cool with it because you know I was a cool kid. You know, everybody everybody get in Blake's truck or go places. And uh, my friends started getting a little bit uh, more wild than, than I was willing to get, uh, and they started participating. It's legal now, but back then marijuana was like a, a really big deal. Uh, and, and so my friends started getting into it. I knew it wasn't for me because I tried to vape one time and I had an asthma attack. Uh, so it kind of like ruined the coolness factor for me. So I knew I wasn't going to get going to get involved with all of that stuff. Um, but my friends would constantly do things around me. And uh, I remember one time this whole idea of suffering the harm of a fool was really highlighted for me because I was taking a couple of my friends to another friend's house. I was dropping them off. And, uh, if you've ever ridden with me, you know, I do not obey the speed limit ever. I run every, <laughs> Riley's laughing because he's, I make people who are saints cuss in my front seat. Uh, I think I'm fine. I don't know what the problem is, but I, I, I was, if you think I'm bad now, you know, teenage Blake, I don't even know why they gave me a license to be honest with you. I, mean, I was insane. I was driving all over and I, I'm like, I'm running red lights. I'm, I'm going faster than what I should do. And we get to the house and my friend kind of laughs and he pulls out this huge bag of weed that he had. Yeah. It's kind of funny now in the reverse. It wasn't funny at the time. Because I was breaking every law there was on the way to this house. And if I would have been pulled over and they would have found that, guess who would have got in big trouble? It would have been Blake. Not because I was a fool, but because I was around the fools. And see, this happens all the time in our lives as adults. In fact, secular sociologists will tell us that you are the average of your five closest friends. That this proves out over and over and over again that if you want to know how much money you're going to have, what they can do is they can take your five closest friends and see how they do with finances, and you're probably going to be the average of that. If you want to know how healthy somebody is, you take the average of their five closest friendships, and they're probably going to be around that in their own health. If you want to be wise, you've got to walk with the wise, but you've got to be careful about picking bad friends. Because if you do, you will suffer the harm of the fool. That's just good advice. All right. Uh, so, number one, if, if you want to, if you want to make your relationships way more complicated than what they need to do, then you just need to pick bad friends. And uh, some of you, you know, you, you got like Dumb and Dumber for your best friends, and it's like it's just not going to end very well for you. 
So that's free advice. Maybe that's yours. If that's yours, you say, Blake, that's it. I've got a, I got a bad friend group. Um, well, there you go. And I'll just say this, especially to the teenagers, uh, and really to all adults, but I know in, in school, it's, it, this is really hard because you got all your friends around you all the time. Uh, it is better for you to go for a season without any friends than to have the wrong friends. And I know that really hurts. I remember after that incident, uh, I actually kind of distanced myself from those friends. And I had a really, really lonely senior year for a portion of it. Like I would just come home and I was by myself um, because I decided that it was better for me to have no friends than to have those friends for that season of my life. And I can just tell you, I'm really grateful that I did that. And I don't know, it was but the grace of God that I did that. One, because I was amazing. I, I look back and I'm like, man, how did I not get more involved in some of that stuff? It, it was definitely God doing it. But for me to be alone for that season, it separated me. And I look at where some of those friends are now, and I think I could be where they are if I wouldn't have done that. So it's better for a season to have no friends than to have the wrong friends. All right, number two. If you want to complicate your relationships more than you need to, uh, just don't deal with your problems. Just don't deal with them. Just let yourself completely fall apart. Uh, so this could be like a, a sin struggle that you're just kind of hiding and you're not dealing with. Or, or it can just be a wound that you have in your past. A wound of somebody that hurt you and you've never dealt with it. A, a grief that you've never actually grieved. Just let all of those things fester up inside of you. It, it'll be great for you. Um, it, it, it'll be great for you if you want to ruin your relationships and complicate them. I've got to be careful what I'm saying here. I'm giving bad advice this morning. Just remember that whenever I say it's a good thing for you, it's really a bad thing for you. Uh, I, uh, I should have thought this through when I was writing the sermon a little better. It's like opposite day here. I remember, though, this time uh, I, was, I was driving to my grandma Wendy's house as she lived out in the country at the time. And, uh, you know, I was driving my truck and I saw a snake. A snake was going across the road. So I throttle up. I do what you should do when you see a snake. Uh, I throttled up the engine and I ran the snake over uh, because snakes are awful. And if you like snakes, I'm sorry. Uh, you should read the Bible. I'm just being biblical. Like, you get to page two. The snake's the bad guy in the story. So... Uh, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I try to kill him every time I see him. Uh, and so I, I run this snake over. Now, what I didn't do was get out of the car and pick the snake up and say, here you go, buddy, and walk it across the street. No, I had to take swift action with the snake. I ran it over. Now, you might think that's enough. It wasn't enough for me. I put the car in reverse. I ran back over the snake. I went over it again. And then I went around the corner and I thought, well, I'll go check. I looked back. I think he was just kind of like dead twitching, but it was still twitching. So I got as much speed as I could and I ran the snake over a fourth time. Because that's what you do when you see snakes. And in the same way in your life, you've got to deal with the sin and the struggles and the pain you have with that kind of urgency. Because if you don't, here's what happens. If you have a grief that you haven't dealt with, if you have a sin that you're hiding that you're not dealing with, what will eventually happen is you will either implode or explode. You'll either implode. Like we, we've seen people do this where it's like they, they hit it so well for so long and then it comes out that this person had this thing going on and it ruins their life. They are their own worst enemy. Or we've probably seen the people who explode. You know, it's like they've been bottling, 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 bottling. And then all of a sudden this quiet, nice girl or this quiet, nice guy explodes and it feels like it's out of nowhere. But it's not out of nowhere. They're acting out of trauma. They're acting out of stuff that they've bottled up. Let me just tell you, that will destroy relationships. I can think of friendships I've ruined in my own life where it was because I imploded or because I exploded and I made a mistake. And I said a word or I said a thing that I could not get back because words sting and words hurt. And it doesn't matter how many times you say sorry, people will remember the negative far more than they'll ever remember any of the positive things you've said to them. 
So if you want to overcomplicate your relationships, just don't deal with your problems. You've got to pick bad friends and then don't deal with your problems. Number three, uh, just gossip. If you want to run your relationships, just, go- just gossip a lot. Just talk about people behind their backs all the time. It'll work great. I, I love what Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verse 8 says. And I'm going to read it out of the message paraphrase because I, just, I love the way it puts it. Uh, and the message paraphrase says it this way. Proverbs 18, 8. Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want that junk in your belly? <laughs> I, love, I love the message paraphrase. Uh, the, that's like one of my favorite ones. But it's so true. Like we all, there's something in us that loves gossip. Like we love hearing the inside scoop on things. Uh, it, it, it's me. It's you. We all want to know when you hear, hey, did you hear, did you hear what I heard about Blake? I'm not saying it's true, but I'm just saying I kind of heard some stuff. Uh, or in the church world, we say, we just, you know, we really need to be praying for Sister Sally. Uh, it's all on Facebook that uh, she's going through some stuff. <laughs> and it, it, it's like, there's something in us that goes, yeah, tell me more. But it destroys us. It destroys our relationships. It's like, you know, last Sunday, I think it was, or two Sundays ago, I don't remember what it was, but Taylor and I just wanted Sour Patch Kids. Uh, randomly, So we went to the quick stop and we got Sour Patch Kids. And I devoured the bag of Sour Patch Kids. I loved it. The, the green ones are my favorite. Uh, blue's a close second. I don't even know why they put the yellow ones in there. That's got nothing to do with anything besides the fact that I devoured this bag of Sour Patch Kids. But guess how I felt after I devoured it? I felt sick. I, I was like, why did I, what am I, seven years old? Who eats a bag of Sour Patch Kids randomly on a Sunday? You know? And, and this is what gossip is like. It, it, it feels good in the moment, but, but afterwards it leaves us feeling bad. And when your friend finds out that you've been gossiping, they're no longer your friend. You've just complicated the relationship way more than what you needed to. And I have a, a simple definition of what gossip is. Because a lot of people, you know, like what, is, what qualifies as gossip? And here's what I think qualifies as gossip. Gossip is when I talk about somebody to somebody else who has no power to fix the problem. So when I talk about your problem to somebody else and the person I'm talking to can't fix the problem, that's gossip. So if you are a kid and you're telling your parents something about one of your siblings because you're worried about them, that's not gossip because your mom has the power to fix the problem. If you are a worker and you're telling your boss something about what a co-employee is doing, a co-worker is doing, that's not gossip because your boss has the power to fix the problem. But if you are an employee and you start talking to your coworker about another coworker, you are now gossiping because that other coworker has no power to fix the problem. You see how this works? And so often we're talking about problems. We have no idea what's going on. And the person we're talking to has no way to fix the problem. And I understand this is kind of awkward for us because gossip is such a prevalent part of our, our culture and our life. You know, it's like, like, what am I supposed to talk about at work? Because there's some people who only talk about gossip things. Like if, if I didn't gossip with them, we would never speak, uh, which like I, I know people like that. And I, I'll, just, I'll just give you a, a little tip. This is what you say. You, you'll eventually shut it down. Well, there's a couple things you can do. You can like eat a Kit Kat, give yourself a minute. Uh, you can take your water, you know, and just take a, a little sip. I kind of chug it awkwardly like this, you know, like such. Uh, that, that tends to kind of take away from it. I could chug it way faster, but um, that's for another day. I'll give you guys more of that talent later. Uh, you like how I slipped in the drink there, though? Like, that was pretty smooth, I thought. Anyways, uh, you, you buy yourself a minute, and then, and then you say this. You say, have you talked to them about that? 
That's how you, you just keep, they keep, they say, hey, Blake, have you heard about this? Have you talked to them about that? That's how you keep turning the conversation. I had a, a lady come up to me a while back at a restaurant, and she was talking to me about another pastor in town. And uh, let me just tell you something. As a pastor, that's pretty tempting. When they're complaining to you about their pastor, I just want to say, well, come on over to Ascent, you know? Uh, but honestly, if they gossip to me, I don't, I don't really want them. I'm like, you're going to gossip about me later because you're going to find a lot of stuff you don't like. Uh, but they kept talking to me about their pastor, and I said, have you talked to your pastor about that? Have you talked to your pastor about that? And eventually the lady got frustrated and walked away. And that's what people do. So if you, if you want to ruin your relationship, go all in on the gossip. But if you don't want to overcomplicate things, just say, have you talked to that person about this? All right, number four. You want to, you want to ruin your relationships with people, you're going to complicate them. What you need to do is you've got to value being right more than the relationship. Just be more concerned about winning the argument than the actual person you're talking to. Uh, if you want an example of this, just open Facebook. You'll probably see about seven people who are more interested in proving their point than they are about the relationship. Proverbs 18.2 says this. I think we should all read this before we get on Facebook, by the way. This would just, it would help us so much. A fool, look at this, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. I'm going to read it one more time because it's so good. I don't care if you guys don't like it. I love, it's, this is good. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. Reminds me of a, a guy. This is so sad. Uh, I was in a Bible study with him a while back, and he told me he wasn't talking to his daughter. Him and his daughter were, were not talking. And I said, why are you and your daughter not talking? He said, because she keeps sharing stupid stuff on Facebook. And I thought, you need to delete Facebook. Like, it's clear to me that whatever your daughter is sharing cannot be so bad that you would not want a relationship with your daughter. And yet this guy, now it was a particularly political season, cared more about his politics than he cared about his daughter in the relationship. When I see you guys doing this, I'll just be honest with you, I don't think godly thoughts. I want to slap you in the face. Because you are ruining a relationship with a physical human being just to prove a point that makes no difference. I want you to understand that. It's not like the, the United States government, any high official is looking at your Facebook going, that was a great point. I'm changing everything because of what they shared. That doesn't happen. So you can win an argument or you can keep a relationship with somebody. If you're married, you know this. Like with my wife, I know I can be right or I can be happy. <laughs> One of the greatest things of... This is free marriage advice. <laughs> yes, dear. Okay. And you can do this with other people too. And I know it's, it's so challenging when somebody is saying something that you think is just completely asinine, totally stupid, and you look at them and you say, that's an interesting view. That's all you have to say. And then you move on. I've got a ton of people in my life who I completely disagree with on a number of subjects. But I've kind of decided that I love them and I love the relationship I have with them more than I love being right. And so sometimes I just kind of nod my head and I move on to the next subject. And if it's really prevalent, like if they, they really want to argue with me about it, what, what, what we can do if we're mature is we can say, you know what, let's just agree not to talk about this subject. You've got your view. It's not going to change my view. I've got my view. It's not going to change your view. So let's just agree not to talk about this subject. Now, I'm not talking about always ignoring what you really believe in. You can have adult conversations with people where your views can actually change, which is why it says the wise person is interested in what? They're interested in understanding. 
So if you get in a conversation with somebody who has a different view than you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask 10 questions for every point that you make. Ask 10 questions about what they believe and why they feel that way before you begin to make your own points. Truly try to understand what the other person is saying. Because look, no matter how stupid you think the argument is, it's not that stupid. There's got to be a way somebody believes it. Otherwise, they wouldn't believe it. So you've got to try to put yourself in their shoes and understand why they are saying what they're saying. And, and here's what I found. When I lead with questions, when I ask and I listen, I have way more success in actually helping people see a different point of view than when I yell at them or, oh, for goodness sakes, I share something on Facebook. And I, honestly, when you're looking at your Facebook profile, would it show me, if I were to go to it right now and I would pull it up, with what you shared, would I be able to tell that you cared more about relationship or proving that you were right? If I were just to look at it, what would I see? Because as Jesus followers, we ought to be the people who care more about relationship than being right. And, and I'm honest, I know it's getting serious. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but I, I just, it breaks my heart because I deal with this stuff. Like I, I've counseled people who literally because of Facebook, their marriage is hurting or because of Facebook, you know, they, they've lost a friendship that they had for years and it was put in the ditch because of a stupid app on their phone. And I, I want us to be people who pay attention to what we say. All right, number four, you can value being right more than the relationship and that'll be, that'll be a good way to complicate your relationship. I love what Paul Tillich says. He says, the first duty of love is to listen. The first duty of love is to listen. Here's my prayer for you. Here's my prayer for myself. Every time... We think about opening our mouths to prove our point. This should be our prayer. It comes from a guy named Peter Marshall. He says, Lord, when we are wrong, make us willing to change. And when we are right, make us easy to live with. <laughs> when we are right, make us easy to live with. Because it's hard to live with somebody who's right and they want you to know it all the time. I'm going to read that prayer one more time before we move on because I think it's that important. Lord, when we are wrong, make us willing to change. And when we are right, make us easy to live with. All right, that was number four. So value being right more than the relationship if you, you want to complicate your relationships more than what you need to. Number five, this is the, the last one. Align yourself with people who don't value the things you value. Just get in as many relationships with people who are living their lives completely opposite of the way you want to live your life as possible. Uh, the word value means What's important to you? So the things you hold as priorities in your life, you're going to want to put yourself with people who have different priorities for their lives. And this will complicate relationships. Because what causes tension in relationships is when you begin to value something more that I would put less value on. So, and, and this, is, this is really more important the closer of a relationship you have with somebody. So it's dependent upon the nature of the relationship. Like, I don't have to have the exact values of my boss. We just have to agree upon what my boss wants me to do and how much he's going to pay me for it. Like, as long as we agree on those things, we can be in relationship together. But if my boss begins to impede on my personal life, then I've got to pay attention. Like, if my boss's main value is making a lot of money for the company and he thinks to accomplish that, I'm going to work 90 hours a week. And my value is that I want to be at home with my kids a lot, then that job's not really going to work for me. Why? Because we have different values. It's going to cause tension that pulls because I'm wanting to be here and he wants me here. Or, or in marriage. This is why when I do premarital counseling, I annoy people. And I make them fill out a huge packet uh, full of questions. 
And I put them in weird situations that I want them to think through before they get married. So I'll say, you know, what happens if your kid has this problem? Or what will you guys do if, if you're in this situation? Or I'll say, how many kids do you guys want to have? When do you want to have them by? Because I'm trying to draw out of them as many different variables as I can find where their values don't match. Because here's what I know about marriage. That tension that we feel, that pull that we feel is when, number one, we have different values about what we want to do. Like she wants to live here and I want to live here. Or she wants to do this with her time and I, I want to do this with my time. Or as simple as like on vacation. You know, I didn't realize this about Taylor till we, till we got married, which was, you know, she's the kind of vacation person that likes to go out and do a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, that's not vacation. It's like a field trip. I want to take a, I want to take a nap a little bit. And Taylor's like, no, 6 a.m., let's go. Let's get it going. You know, we got, we got, we're only here for a week. We've got to do this and this and this and this and this. And it caused, it really, at the beginning of our marriage, it caused a little bit of tension. Because I'm like, can we sleep in until 10 o'clock, please, for the sake of Pete, you know? I get up early every day. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of a smaller thing. But the small things begin to add up in relationships. The tension begins to pull. And then you get to the, the bigger things. You know, like, I, I didn't know that she wanted 12 kids and I only wanted three. It's actually opposite for Taylor and I. I'm like, let's adopt five and take five. And she's like, well, let's just, you know, uh, see if we can do one first. So <laughs> I think it's pretty wise counsel probably. But you, you, you want to align yourself with people who have the same values that you have. And it's different based upon the kind of relationship you want to have with people. Like I have friends and we don't have the same alignment on where we want to live. Meaning I have friends who live in California. I have a friend who, who lives in Belgium. And that's fine. We can still be friends because our alignment isn't based upon where we live. It's based upon the hobbies that we share and that we enjoy each other's company. But I better have alignment with my wife on where we want to live. Because it would be really hard if she lived in Belgium. Anybody who's ever done a long distance relationship knows that would not work very well for very long. We've got to have a, more alignment with the people we want to get closer with. And up to this point, I really feel like a lot of this has just been good advice, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. It's just, it is what it is. It's wisdom, which is what the book of Proverbs is full of. It's just the way that the world works. But I want to speak directly to those of you who call yourself Christians. Those of you who say, I follow Jesus. He is the Lord of my life. This is particularly true for you, that you need to align yourself with other Jesus followers. That doesn't mean we only have Christian friends, because that would be... That would be bad. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus had friends who were outside of Christianity. But what it does mean is those closest relationships that we have, the more we can align ourselves with other Christians, the better we will be. That is, we, we think about our spouse. This is why Paul says, don't marry somebody who's unequally yoked. Meaning the word yoke means has the same work or burden as you. Because a Christian has a burden of, of uh, raising God's, not raising God, giving God glory in all of life and following Jesus. And a non-Christian would not have that same yoke. And the reason Paul says this is not because he hates non-Christians. And he says, don't marry any non-Christians because they're bad people. It's not what he's saying at all. He's saying for your sake and for the sake of the non-Christian, you don't want to marry each other because you're going to have different values in life. If you're truly following Jesus, you're going to have different values that affects everything in your life. Like if I'm a Christian and I'm married to a non-Christian, we're going to have different views of money. They're going to want to spend money on things that I think we should give away. If, if we're raising kids together and I'm a Christian and, and they're a non-Christian, we're going to have different views on how we want to raise our kids. See, these major things in our lives will be tugged on and pulled on. And the same is true with your closest friends. Men, you need to have brothers in your life who are pointing in the same direction as you when it comes to following Jesus. Who want to be godly husbands. Who, who, who want to raise their kids in a godly way. Because if you've got friends who are pulling and tugging on you in the other direction... 
you're eventually going to go with them. It's just kind of the law of gravity. I love the way Jesus puts this in Mark chapter 8. And again, I'm going to read out of the, the message paraphrase, so you just have to listen to me. Jesus says, and Molly and uh, everybody else, if you guys want to go ahead and come up, I'm going, to, I'm going to end here. It says, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me, this is Jesus speaking, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? And this is the part that's really important about aligning ourselves with people who have the same value we do. It says, if any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you, when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives. In all the splendor of God, his Father, and with an army of the holy angels. Friends, relationships are complicated enough without these things. <laughs> they just are. So let's not be people who surround ourselves with bad friends. Let's not be people who don't deal with our problems, waiting for them to implode or explode. And please, let us not be people who gossip or get on Facebook and value being right more than relationship. Let us not be people who align ourselves with people who have life going in a completely different direction. And as I said at the beginning, all five of these may be true of you in some area, but I want you just to pick one this week to work on. Maybe you need to get rid of some friends. Maybe you need to make some new friends. I don't know what it is for you. But I want you right now, close your eyes and bow your heads. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And then listen. Father God, the truth is that we are, we're all fools. We all needed a Savior to come and save us. Lord, we all deserve to not have relationship with you, but you sent your Son to live the life I couldn't live, to die the death I deserve to die so that I might be made right with you. And Lord, you filled me with your Holy Spirit so that I might have wisdom in this life. God, I pray for the gift of wisdom. Help us to be discerning and wise as we look at the people in our lives. Help us to be discerning and wise about the things we say and the people we talk to in our lives. God, may we be like the early Christians, so full of love for others that we look different from this world. Jesus, it's so clear what some of us are to do. And yet it is so difficult to actually do it. So I pray that you'd give us courage as we step out of this place and try to live in obedience to what you've called us to do. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship. Thanks for tuning in to the Ascent Church podcast. You can check in with us on social media at My Ascent Church. New episodes each week. Thanks.